So have you, ha- have you ha- ever had a day where you woke up and like your stomach wasn't feeling so good and so like you run into the bathroom and as you run into the bathroom you like stub your toe on the corner of the bed uh, and then you go and you're like, I just need some coffee. So you start the coffee pot, like 10 minutes later you come back and you look and it's all clear water because you forgot to put grounds in the coffee pot. Or there's no liquid in there because you forgot to put water in the coffee pot. So you, you make it and finally you get your cup of coffee, you take a sip and you're like, ha, this is hot, and you burn your tongue. And that's just like one thing after another. Like everything seems to go wrong that day. Uh, have you ever felt that way? You know, and do you get at the end of the day, do you lay in your bed and you're just, Lord, thank you, Jesus, for such a hard day. God, thank you for all the challenges. That was an amazing day. Can't wait to do it again tomorrow. Or are you like, God, thank you for my bed. Thank you for this day is over. Uh, I don't want everyone to face that again, right? Like, there's these days where we just, like, can't seem to, like, get anything right. Uh, and I know my normal reaction, probably many of your reactions, is not to say, let's do it again. Um, but if we look at the book of James... Uh, it seems like maybe our attitude should have a little more of a reflection of the thankfulness rather than, oh Lord, not again. Uh, And so we're going to look in James chapter 1 for a few minutes together. Uh, And so just, this is the book of James, you know, this is James' servant, uh, and so it's interesting that he first identifies himself as a servant of God uh, uh, and of Jesus Christ. And so this is James, who's a brother of Jesus, uh, and so he doesn't kind of remind his listeners, say, hey, Life's a little extra challenging for me because I had to measure up to Jesus. No, he identifies himself as a servant of God, a servant of Jesus. Uh, you know, and just think about that. Is that our first uh, identity? What, if someone says, hey, who are you or what are you? You know, do you say, I'm a servant of God? Uh, when you go to Starbucks and they say, hey, can I get a name for your order? Do you say, uh, I'm Jesse, servant of God? Uh, or when you go to, you know, whatever restaurant you love, hey, can I get a name for your reservation? Uh, I'm Jesse, son of God, or, uh, you know, servant of God. Like, we don't, like, it's not that we don't, obviously we know that we are to serve God, that we are uh, his, uh, his servants as we follow after him, but I just wonder if we had more, if we, if we kept that more in front of us more constantly, how might that shape these days that are challenging? How might it shape the challenges that we walk through uh, because I know for me, even on this trip where we're there as missionaries, look, just because you're in ministry doesn't mean that you're any more, like, holy. There were days where I was like, I was like God, we, I just can't do this. And, like, there was a moment where I was, like, mad at God. Uh, and it's like, and in that moment, it's because I've taken my eyes off of him. I've kind of forgotten in that moment that, man, I serve God. Like, God is on my side, Right? Or I am on God's side, and I've more focused on my circumstance. And so it's just like if we would just more fully focus our eyes and our mind that we are servants of God, the creator of everything. And how might that change the outlook of struggles, of challenges? Uh, you know, and this, as James is writing this letter, uh, he says it right there in verse 1. He says, to the 12 tribes uh, in dispersion, uh, greetings. Uh, and so he's writing to, this is Christians, mainly a Jewish audience, but they're scattered all throughout. So this isn't just a, he's not encouraging just this one select group, hey, just endure what you're going through. He's not saying, hey, only if it, like these people were going through, like they had been scattered all over the known world. They were going through political uh, struggles. They were going through religious, per- they were going through these things. And James is, appro- is addressing them all at once, one large uh, crowd. And so as James is writing this, He's like, man, how can I best reach 
everyone. Like, well, I know. Everyone has struggles. Everyone has trials. So after his greeting, verse 2, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, uh, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Verse, uh, verse 3. Oh, yeah, that, that's verse, verse 2 and verse 3. And just thinking about that, like, the first thing he wants to say to these people that are going through struggles is, like, count of joy. Like, endure it, right? But he, does, he, he gives them the reason for that is because it's going to produce something in them. And again, same thing for me. When I'm going through struggles and I start getting upset or I start focusing on those things, it's because I'm so focused on my circumstance rather than focusing what God's trying to produce in me. Because if, as we read this passage, God just doesn't run us through these things to see, hmm, is he going to survive? Is he going to make it out alive? No, he's doing this because he's trying to produce something in me. Because as his servant, as I serve and follow after him, God doesn't want to just leave me the way I came to him. He wants to, he wants to sanctify me is the, the fancy church word. He wants to make me more like him. And one of the greatest ways that we can become more like Christ is how we handle challenging circumstances. And so I, I just kind of want to put this out, that God's main concern for me is not comfort. God's main concern for me is not comfort. It's completion. God's main concern for me is not comfort. It's completion. Uh, and what do I mean by that? Well, he's saying here, and let stead, verse 4, and let have steadfastness have its full effect that you may be per- perfect and complete and lack in nothing. Like, there's going to be some discomfort in that. Right? There's go, anytime there's change, there's discomfort. And I think so often we think of, man, I'm a follower of Jesus, so life should be a little easier than it was for, before I came to Christ. No, that, that's, that's a lie. Right? It means that when we face trials, that we don't give up hope. Uh, Kayla and I were just talking. There was a, a dad that uh, you know, just went through an incredible cha- uh, uh, tragedy, was really responsible for the, the death of his child, and then he ended up taking his life. Um, it's like, that's what living with no hope means. That's what living with, without Jesus in our life leads to. Is we get to this point where we just we see no other way. And, and, and the only way we can endure these trials is remembering God is pro- trying to produce something in us uh, and through this. And so verse 4 there means to lack nothing. If you skip down to verse t- 12, it kind of exclamates this point. It says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God promised to those who love him, to those who love him. This really kind of echoes uh, in Matthew chapter 24. Jesus is talking to his disciples, uh, and they're kind of asking some questions kind of about what are things going to be like. And he says, hey, in the end of, in the end of times, he said, the love of most is going to grow cold. So those that follow after me are maybe going to just fall away. And he says at the end of that passage in Matthew 24, he says, but those that persevere to the end will inherit eternal life. So it's not just about how we start, right? Uh, it's also we talk, think about the, the parable of the seed. There's some that like right away they hear the, they hear the message of God uh, and they get excited. But then the trials of life or the challenges of life or the pressures of other people snuff that out. And so God is not just concerned with uh, our comfort, God is not, I think he is concerned with our comfort, but that's not his primary concern for us. Our primary concern is that we make it to completion, that we endure, that we follow after him, 
Not on Sundays, not for a couple years, but from the moment that we say yes to him, that it's a lifelong commitment. It's a lifelong journey. So you're thinking, well, maybe there's, maybe there's a little bit more encouraging passage. Uh, hold your place there in James. I want to flip back to 1 Peter. Uh, and this, again, one, this, these are different authors, uh, but this speaks to many things. One of the things I think this speaks to is the fact that the, all the Word of God was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And this is almost verbatim, so spoiler alert, say a different passage. This is almost verbatim of what we see here in James, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 through 11. It says, humble yourselves. And in James, it talks about being humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he might exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a lion, seeking to de- someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore you, confirm, strengthen, and establish you to be the dominion forever and ever. And that's almost similar language to what we see here in James. And so... I heard it this way when a pastor was given a similar message one time, uh, not in this passage, but the similar idea of like, you know, suffering is just part of being, one, human, but being part of a follower of Christ. Uh, he said, come on, pastor, can't you, get, can't you be a little more positive? And he said, okay. He said, I'm positive, t- tough times are coming, right? Like we're not, it doesn't say like if trials come here in James, it says count all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. Again, it's like when we're a follower of Jesus, when we're a servant of God, we're like, man, why am I going through this? You're not an exception. Like, we're all going through these things. Yes, each of us has maybe faced different extremes, or maybe you've walked through something way more difficult than I have walked through. But what doesn't change is who God is, and what doesn't change is his word. And he says, no matter how difficult of a situation you walk through, he is the same, and He is working things to completion to produce in you what He wants to produce in you. And that's uncomfortable oftentimes. And so just kind of some application. So, Because this is challenging. This is, not, this is not of the flesh, right? This is only through the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. We don't rejoice in sufferings because we're, we're just like, we, we reach a level of like humanness. We're like, man, nothing's phasing me. No, we can only reach this level as a servant of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so how can we do this? I think here's just a few simple takeaways. One, we need to change my, I need to change my why to what? Change my why to what? Instead of saying, why is this happening to me? Say, God, what are you producing in me? That one simple question shift makes a world of difference. Why often makes a victim, God, why me? Why am I enduring this? Rather than, God, what are you producing in me? And so it's this shift of being a victim to being realizing, like, God, like you're producing, you're preparing me for something. Like, think of the trials that Jesus endured. It was preparing him for something every time. And you can look at all throughout. Justice just, Pastor Justice just preached on Jonah. God was pr- trying to produce something, and Jonah resisted and resisted. And when he finally just surrendered to what God was trying to do in his life and do through him, that's when, like, amazing things happened. And so we need to submit to who God is, and one of the greatest ways we can do that is simply just changing from saying, God, why is this happening? To God, what are you trying to produce in me? And 
while this is a this is obviously broad arching, one of the reasons, some of the reasons why or what God is trying to produce in you, if we look here in James, uh, in verse 3, he's trying to produce perseverance. He's trying to make you stronger. Uh, verse 4, he's trying to produce maturity. He wants us to, some of the things that maybe would have made us stumble in the past, now that we've endured this, like we're strong, we're more mature. Uh, verse, verse 5, going through trials produces wisdom in us. Verse 12, he's trying to produce blessing in us. Like sometimes we're like so anti-prosperity gospel that we're like, oh, I don't need God's blessing. God promises us blessing. It's okay to be blessed, amen? And God's trying to do trials and struggles. He's trying to produce in us something that will bless us. And so many times we kick and scream like being, you know, dragged by, we feel like we're being dragged by like our, our arms down the hall if we just like stand up and just follow willingly. And verse 18, ultimately, here in James 1, 18, of this will he bought, brought us forth by the word of truth. Ultimately, God's trying to produce in us life. He's not trying to keep us down so that we continue to like, just question him and struggle. God is trying to produce in us things that produce life. And the only things that produce life are things of him. And so those are some of the things that are produced in us. Well, so what is the purpose? What are these purposes? Well, one, trials produce trust. Trials produce trust. When we see how God has uh, provided for us in the past, that makes us oftentimes a little quicker to trust him, right? And so trials produce trust. Uh, we think about Moses. We think oftentimes one of the things we think about Moses is part in the, the, the sea, right? That wasn't like day number one. There was small step upon small step upon small step. Obedience upon obedience. Look at Noah. Uh, you can read all throughout the first few chapters of the story of Noah. And it says, and, God, or, and, and Noah obeyed. God, Noah did the will of the Lord. Our small steps in obedience are what, are what produce us to be able to trust God through bigger circumstances. We don't, have too much, we don't have time to get into verse 19, but it just simply says, uh, be, uh, I said we don't have time to get into it. That's a, that was a classic pastor. We don't have time to look at 19, so let's look at verse 19. We don't have time to dig into it deeply, okay? Uh, uh, verse 19, know this, my beloved brothers, let each person be quick to hear, hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Uh, and yes, that is actually talking about anger. But sometimes we think, okay, so I just got to literally be quiet and just, and there's a lot we could dig into that. But I think one of the most practical ways of what it means to be quick to hear is responding in the spirit. But when we're quick to speak, that's responding in the flesh. When we're walking through a challenging time, are we quick to listen? God, what are you trying to produce in us? God, what are you saying in this? Or are we quick to speak and say, God, what's happening? Why? This isn't fair. This isn't right. Why is this person over here not going through And I think that's a very practical application of the difference of being quick to hear versus being quick to speak. And just one, as I was preparing for a message in, uh, in Mexico, I found this quote on this passage. I, just, I was like, I've never heard it said that way. It says, when we act according to our immediate reactions, we feel a lack of control. And when we feel like we're losing control, we will get angry. Let me read that one more time. When we act according to our immediate reactions or our emotions or our flesh, we feel a lack of control. And when we feel like we're losing control, we will get angry. And I thought about it. I was like, man, that is so true. So many times when we, we get angry or get upset about circumstances, it's because we feel out of control. And that's kind of the point. We're supposed to be out of control because God's in control. 
But it's also in this passage says, what are the, what's the purpose of trials? One, we need to be aware that trials are also, while they're an opportunity for God to produce something in us, it's also an opportunity for temptation. And so this word here, it, it, this, these words, trial and temptation, are used multiple times. It's also the same Greek word that's used in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, which says God will never allow you to be t- tempted beyond what you can bear. Uh, that verse is often quoted as God will never give you more than you can handle. That's a lie. That's not biblical. That's untrue. In fact, if we look in 2 second, uh, Corinthians, the opening, so the same Paul who wrote 1 Corinthians that said, hey, we were almost to the point of death, like, that's more than he can bear. Uh, and in 2 Corinthians, he kind of says the same thing, like, I was like to the point of, I couldn't do it. And that's the point. God does allow us to get a point where we cannot handle uh, the trials, the struggles, because that helps us rely on him. But in temptation, there are those moments where in a temptation, we have a choice to either give in to that temptation, give in to that flesh, and in this passage here in James, it says ultimately leads to death, or we have our opportunity to rightly fix our eyes on God and respond in his spirit. So trials uh, produce trust. Trials are, opp- are opportunities for temptation. Uh, and then trials deliver blessings. And again, we see that in verse 16 uh, through 18. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. God does not change. Everything comes from him. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth. So he just talked about trials, and then he talks about temptations, and then he mentions blessings. It's kind of like a, like a pivot, but it's not. Because trials and temptations are things that oftentimes can pull us away from God. Y'all, blessings are something that can pull us away from God. Why? Because when things are going great, it's a human tendency to feel, I don't need God. See, look how good I'm doing. I earned this promotion. I did this. I did that. Look at how good this is. And that's why I believe James is including this with trials and temptations is because while those are both opportunities for us to be led by our flesh, Blessings are an opportunity where we can kind of say, God, I got this. Uh, and we probably all know people that, uh, that you, the only time you see them in church is when things are going bad. And then when things are going back good, you don't see them for a couple months. So it's easy to pick on those people, whoever those people are. But in our lives, I think even in a day-to-day situation sometimes, like even when things are going good, are we praying constantly? Are we talking to God or are we only crying out to God when, when, when things are going not so well? So while trial and temptation can pull our eyes off of God, so can blessings. But ultimately, and this is how I'm going to end, uh, is true faith in God, true, uh, truly having a, being a follower of him, is not dependent on our circumstances. It's kind of a way that I thought about it. Is tried faith is true faith. God is trying to produce in us tried and true faith. Because that's what brings us out to the other side, to trust him more, to follow him quickly, to be more obedient to him, is how we are, how we go through these trials. Our faith is tried, and that's what produces in us true faith. It's going through these circumstances that oftentimes are not easy. And we again, visiting back to verse 12, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he, has received, uh, when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. I just want to end with this last verse in 2 Corinthians 1.10. That again, 
just seeing the continuity of Scripture, that God's Word does not disagree with itself. Uh, and here in 2 Corinthians 1.10, He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and He will deliver us. On Him we have set our hope that He will deliver us again. And while this is talking about one step at a time, your ultimate deliverance, we're not guaranteed, we're not promised. In fact, uh, in John 16.33, Jesus says, you will face many trials, but do not fear, I have overcome the world. Yeah, we aren't promised an easy life as a follower of God. And if anyone tells you that, they're lying. But it's when we walk through trials, we're able to have that hope. We're able to have that joy, that peace that passes all understanding because of who's living in us. That's what God's trying to produce in us. I think that's one of the, th one of the lessons that God taught me uh, in Belize and Mexico for a month is there are times where sometimes my faith is kind of back, I'm like going back and forth on a foot. And I just, I need to press in in those moments. Not ask the why, not, not be so focused on a van not starting, not so focused on a child throwing up in the middle of the night, not so focused on some of these things. I'm just saying, God, what, you're in control. I'm surrendering to you. What are you trying to produce in this situation? Because ultimately, God is not concerned about our comfort. He's concerned about completion. God, I just thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for uh, just the opportunity to be here uh, with our brothers and sisters. God, it's, uh, we miss being with, with our church family, and so just thank you for bringing us safely uh, home. Thank you for their faithfulness uh, in praying for us. Uh, God, just in, um, it's been so encouraging just to get messages, and this morning everyone asking, uh, God, how the trip went, because I know uh, that they were praying, Lord. And so thank you for answering their prayers. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would bear fruit uh, as we are now stateside, God, that what you accomplished uh, in those weeks, uh, that you will continue just to, to bear uh, incredible fruit on the lives of those pastors and leaders and in those churches, God. Uh, Lord, I just pray for, um, God, I know there's kind of sickness going around. I just pray for uh, those that are walking through that, Lord, that uh, they, would have, they would have rest, that you would heal them, uh, God, but that there would be moments to have their eyes fixed on you, uh, and just see what this is producing in them. Lord, and for all of us here this morning, God, I just pray that, um, Lord, we would, not be, we would not be tossed away, tossed back and forth like, like waves, uh, God, but that we would be able to stand firm, um, not on our knowledge, not on how long we've been in church, how long we've, any of these things, but we would stand firm, God, on who you are. That your word says here in 2 Corinthians, Lord, that you will ultimately uh, save us. And that's not necessarily here on earth. That's the, when we stand before you the day of judgment that you will look at us and say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. God, that is your promise to us. That is your promise of hope. That is your promise of true life. And we just look forward to that day when you return. So God, I just help, uh, pray that you would help us through the power of your spirit to be able to rejoice in our suffering. Maybe not throw parties and, and shout for joy, but that we would not be quick to grumble or complain or to get angry, but that we would be quick to turn to you and allow you to produce perseverance in us, to produce wisdom, produce humility, God, so that we would be complete and lacking nothing. And we thank you for your promise that if we do our part by surrendering to you and submitting to you, that these are promises that we can stand on boldly and confidently because they're from a God who does not change and who cannot lie. So Lord, we love you. Thank you for who you are. Praise your name. Amen. Church, if you would stand with me and just want to, uh, from, from James chapter 5, verse 7 and 8, 
uh, really just kind of this blessing pray over you. As it may you be patient until the coming of the Lord, may you see the fruit the Lord is producing in your lives and give you the endurance to wait on His timing. Again, may you be patient and your hearts be established for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Church, be blessed and look forward to seeing you soon.